Welcome to the conversation. I'm Benjamin Dixon, host of the Benjamin Dixon Show, filling in. I'm excited to be joined today by Alicia Garza. She is co-founder of the International Black Lives Matter movement. She is a fierce racial justice advocate, fierce on social media, organizing all the way around the board. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you for having me. And you know, I'm hanging in there. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging there too. As last time we spoke, we were both hanging in there, but these are difficult and trying times. But especially with the work that you do, I admire your work because you're 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 on the front line of issues. You're a lot of times you're taking a lot of the heat. Um, around Black Lives Matter issues, no matter where they come from. It seems like a lot of people put all the attention on you and the other co-founders. So I know it could be some difficult times, but you also never stop. One thing that you're leading on now is defeat by tweet. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, this effort couldn't come at a better time. Frankly, we are, as you said, in the midst of riot and rebellion. And, you know, I want to be super clear that actually what we're seeing here is not just about BLM protests, it's very much about this president and the leadership of this country openly encouraging white supremacist violence. And the president is actually leading that effort and he tends to lead that effort through his Twitter account. Mm. So many people I know are watching and wondering what they can do about a president who never condemns white supremacist violence, but seems to always find time to attack and to send vitriol to some of these countries, some of this country's heroes. Mm -hmm. And so defeat by tweet is right on time. Basically what it is, is it's an opportunity for you to fight back whenever the president tweets his hatred, his racism, his sexism, or any other ism that we've found over the last four years with this supposed leader, what you are doing is raising money for black organizations that are building black political power. And that is important in this moment. Quite frankly, you know, we talk, you and I have talked a lot about the challenges of this election cycle. But one of the things that I think we can all agree on is that when black communities are strong, this country is strong. And so defeat by tweet is an opportunity, as I said, to raise money for black led organizations, building black political power and taking Trump's hate and turning it into love for our movement, love for the possibility of what black communities are offering us right now. So um, the best way to figure out how you can get involved in Defeat by Tweet is literally just to go to defeatbytweet.org. Whether you're donating five cents or whether you're donating $50 million, every single time Trump tweets, you can be assured that you are helping to raise money for black liberation. So tell me some of the mechanics. How does it work? How would is it a donation that I'm making as I as I respond to his tweet, or is it just every time he tweets something that's filled with hate, you know, white supremacy, which is all the time, it'd be a donation from me. Yeah, well, basically what you do is you sign up, you join a community of donors, you pledge a certain amount of money. You say, hey, I'm gonna give you know 50 cents. And every single time Trump tweets, 50 cents goes to a pooled fund for 32 black led grassroots organizations. Mm. So you don't even have to respond to Trump's tweets. Defeat by tweet is doing it for you. All you have to do is sign up and pledge to donate. Defeatbytweet.org, uh, and I think I think you're hitting on something critical here. And what because Donald Trump literally does incite white supremacist violence 
through his Twitter profile. We saw the violence in Portland this weekend that took the life of one of his supporters. But leading up to that, he inflamed the situation. And after the murder, he inflamed the situation even more. But then on the opposite side of the equation, we had Joe Biden who on Twitter as well as in his press conference today condemned violence from both sides. So what do you think about this situation where you have the Democratic side being willing to condemn violence, but Donald Trump holding the line and not only holding the line, refusing to condemn it, he actually is inflaming it. I think a lot of things and I was told to keep my language clear. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. <laughs> but I just wanna be very clear here. Right now, this moment, it's not actually about Democrats or Republicans. And I've said that a thousand times over this last year. It is fundamentally a fight between fascism or not fascism. And we all know, and you know, Michelle Obama said it best. I think I probably hate politics more than she does, but everything is at stake right now. This isn't about Democrats or Republicans. It's not about BLM protesters or looting or rioting. This is about a president that is openly encouraging racial terrorism and white supremacist violence. And so when you have leadership of this country that is not only not condemning the violence that they are encouraging, but they themselves, right, are becoming a lightning rod. I mean, Trump said he was going to be traveling to Wisconsin this week in order to again stoke these kinds of flames. I want to just be clear too. I mean, I can't not say this. The Democratic response is not acceptable. And so this is actually why we need to do the work to reframe this conversation because there's a lot that's missing. Quite frankly, Democrats need to hear that right now is not the moment to do both sides. We already have a leader that does that and that's frankly how we've gotten this violence. We saw that from Charlottesville, we saw well both sides, right? Or we saw each side has very good people. And those are the kinds of stories and the kind of rhetoric that can inflame these kinds of moments. So again, the central fight right now is a fight against white supremacy, white nationalism and racial terrorism. And we need leaders in this country who will be unabashed about saying just that. I want to do a quick round robin with you if we if I, I want to play the devil's advocate and only for the purposes of exposing some of the rebuttals that people would give to what you just said, right? So they say you said you called the Democrat the Republican Party fascism. One of the things that I hear and I disagree with, but I want to know your response. The Democrats are basically neoliberal fascists and they just put a smile on fascism. What do you say to that? That's just Words mean things, and I want to be very clear about this. The Republican Party is no longer the Republican Party that people have known for decades. The Republican Party right now represents the most extreme faction of extremists in this country. We can tell that by the way that they're moving in this moment. And so while you may not like what Democrats are doing right now, while it is true that Democrats have followed a neoliberal agenda, I just think we need to be very clear about what time it is. And frankly, saying that there's no distinguishment between both of them is not only not factual, but it's dangerous. Mm. But Joe Biden is the author of the 94 crime bill. So why would a black person vote for Joe Biden when he's hurt so many black people? 
Well, because the reason that you would vote in general, right, is because you want to have a say in what happens in this country. And frankly, like I said before, I don't like politics and Joe Biden wasn't my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh choice. But this is what we're dealing with right now. And when I see what's happening in this country and I see that it is a contest between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Mike Pence and Donald Trump, I have no confusion whatsoever about where my interests lie. And I want to be very clear about this. It's important for us to understand that what we are voting for in this election is whether or not we are going to create a better terrain for us to fight on. I'm not asking you to fall in love with Joe Biden. What I'm asking you to do is be clear about the choice in front of us and make the right choice. And again, I want to make sure the audience and you know that I don't agree with these <laughs> these questions. I'm asking them because out of necessity, uh, this idea it. that if we capitulate as progressives, if we keep capitulating to the Democratic Party, they're going to keep doing exactly what they did to us this time around. Uh, and then the other side of that, which is accelerationism. If we put Donald Trump back in power, then uh, it will push us towards a more progressive future. Your well, thoughts. I just think that as progressives, we have to actually embrace what it means to take power. And you cannot take power by throwing rocks at the castle. What we have in front of us is not an ideal situation, but we do have a very clear choice that we have to make. We have to decide if we want to live to fight another day or if we want to be right. And frankly, mm-hmm. We are in a moment, right? Where if we hope to ever, 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 ever change the rules that have been rigged against our communities for generations, we have to get in the game. And if you know anything about history, right? There's a time for united fronts where you know everybody is as deeply aligned as possible on the 20 point plan. And there's a time for popular fronts where you have to unite everybody you possibly can in a broad front against a deep threat. I think we're in a moment where we need to build the broadest popular front possible that can open up space for us to be able to live to fight another day. And I can tell you right now, if Donald Trump is president, there will be more cages that they will look to put us all in. So the choice is yours. I am so glad you put that that way. Live to fight another day is literally what came to my mind yesterday that this is what it is. We have to live to fight another day. Alicia Garza, she is co-founder of International Black Lives Matter Movement. And she's on the front line of so many issues. This most current one is defeatbytweet.org. Go and help support that organization as they weaponize Donald Trump's tweets against him. Thank you so much for joining us, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Joining me now is Paula Jean Swearingen. She is a US Senate candidate for West Virginia, a progressive, joining us to tell us about her campaign. Paula Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Hey Ben, thank you for having me. It's always great to be on TYT. It is it's our pleasure, genuinely. Um, there's a lot happening across the country. Uh, there's a lot happening specifically in context of the establishment versus progressives. And so before we get into your platform and, and all the details, tell us about what your thoughts are. The, the, the presidential campaign, the establishment versus progress, the progressive movements. What, what's on your mind in that regard? 
Well, I think we're at a pivotal time in this country and people are really waking up to the political dynamic about what's going on. We have seen um, national movements of ordinary candidates like myself that are progressive that have run with a slate of candidates like brand new Congress. But here in West Virginia too, we have had the West Virginia Can't Wait movement where we had over 93 candidates to run for office in 2020. 43 of those candidates won their primaries. Every single one of them um, are not taking corporate PAC dollars. And we made history here in West Virginia since 100 years since women's been voting. Every Democratic nominee for Congress for the first, second in the United States, we all are progressive women mm-hmm. and none of us are taking corporate and corporate PAC dollars. So we are making, you know, West Virginia is always called red, but every Democratic nominee is progressive and we are women. And I love that because it shows literally the progress that's being made despite all of the all of the efforts of the establishment to control the progressive movement. Your platform is extremely progressive, economic diversity. You're looking to new infrastructure for new industry, clean water for everyone, public education. You know, you know your platform. I don't have to list it out. Tell us about what you feel are the most progressive parts of your platform. Well, if I do go to the United States Senate, the first thing I do would would be co-sponsor Medicare for all. Um, It's vitally important for the people in West Virginia to have health care. Most of the people in West Virginia are Medicare and Medicaid already. And when we tie economic diversity and we're dealing with one of the largest addiction epidemics in the country, we lead in drug overdose deaths right now. So Medicare for all would help us greatly as well as helping small businesses. It would take away the burden of them having to pay high premiums for their employees and they could take that money and put that back into their business. Of course, economic diversity, especially in a state like mine, and helping people across the country. We know that the industrial revolution was built on the backs of Appalachians and the industry's gotten rich and left us breadcrumbs. And it's past time that West Virginia gets to grow for a change. And you know, it's really important to me that we we do have long-term solutions for the addiction epidemic. Like I said, we are dealing with one of the largest addiction crises in the country, and we need people that are not going to just be visionaries to drug replacement therapy, which plays a small role in in combating addiction, but putting federal and state funds in states like ours invest in long-term recovery solutions as well as making sure that people have a good path to be strong parts of society and, and you know that be part of their recovery systems. Mm-hmm. There's so many things, but you know to me, progressive means progress. Right. I think we need to get past dividing labels because at the end of the day, we all just want basic human rights. This is one of the richest countries in the world. And there's no reason that we can't be decent to the people in America. It not only makes moral sense, but it makes economic sense because happier and healthier people are more productive people. We have to get past partisan politics and we have to reach each other. And you know, my hashtag is unite our fight. I've been working in my state for years trying to bring people together because if you sit down and have the conversations about what our needs are, mm-hmm. it's not about partisan politics, it's about people surviving. I live in one of the most sickest and poorest states in the nation. And if I ask my neighbor, 
He doesn't ask me if I'm a Democrat or Republican. He comes mm -hmm. over and he helps me and brings that wrench. So this is about the people across America, the working class standing up yeah. and making sure that we have true representation for a change. Mm -hmm. We don't need no more people like my opponent, Shelley Moore Capito, that's going to stand up for corporations and lobbyists and not do her job. She was the first woman to be elected to the United States Senate to represent the state of West Virginia. Uh -huh. She's a mother and grandmother like myself. She has done nothing for us, absolutely nothing. She's even tried to vote against equal pay for women at least three times right. and privatized Medicare and turned it into a voucher program. Well, let so me ask you, let me jump in there. Let me let me jump in there and ask a question uh, there because I think that's important. You you're, you're putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that there um, that partisan divides are what's blocking us. But like you said, uh, West Virginia is considered is red. It's it's considered red. There still seem to be a lot of people who vote against their um, economic best interests. How how do you get beyond that? Because there is a political divide there. Are they is it resonating? And and is there something unique about your message that cuts through uh, the politics? that are saturating the state now? Well, we have more Democrats than registered in this state and independents than we do Republicans. And we have seen an uprising in our state You know, in 2018 with the teacher strike and mm -hmm. now with the candidates that have run for office. We're tired of voting, we're tired of the lesser of two evils. It's it's not that we vote against their best interests, we have poor choices. That's why we have so many West Virginians rising up and running for office. Mm-hmm, that's, that's, that's powerful and the, the uprising, the teacher protests that sparked off in 2018 really did kind of set a trend across the country. Do you feel that that energy is still there and is it something that you're able to galvanize in, the, in your campaign? Absolutely, my opponent's approval rating's down. Um, she's not very liked, well liked in this state and it's not, like I said, it's not about a Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party. This is about people literally dying in West Virginia and across the country. Nobody should have to work two and three jobs and not even be able to pay the rent or afford health care. Essential workers should be able to afford food, rent and basic needs for survival. And we don't have a plan B here in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we are rising up and I hope you know that we have shown, we have kind of laid the platform for cultural genocide and it's time for West Virginia to rise up and and show that we can uh, we, we can show the rest of America that it can happen because we're not red, we're not blue. We're West Virginians, we're some of the most hospitable people in the world. And at the end of the day, we take care of each other. We see it across the front lines of our communities. Every, we just need true representation for a change. Is that a message that, um just kind of get into the messaging part of, of your campaign because uh, you, you've mentioned several times that it's not red, it's, it's not blue, and every state is different. Um, is that a message that you feel obviously um, transcends more so? Do, do West Virginians want, not want to hear about who's Republican and who's Democrat, or is it they don't want to hear about who's Democrat? Like I, I feel like there's there's really something there because despite Despite the the desire to get beyond partisan politics, they continue. West Virginia still continues to vote in a direction that is detrimental to them. And this is not to, to slam on West Virginians at all. It just means that they that they're looking for something different. And you feel like you're the person offering that. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we have been bid against each other for basic human rights, and we have fallen short with a lot of propaganda. And that's true. And that's true for a lot of people. Across country, 
Mm. Senator Sanders won all 55 counties in the 2016 primary. Our super delegates voted against the will of the people. And to me, I think that was a demotivator for people to go out to the polls. We have to get people out to the polls. It's not it's not that we're voting against our best interest. It seems like, you know, people, the working class is not showing up and the poor because mm. they don't feel like they're served. And that's why you see an uprising of ordinary West Virginians running for office is because we want true representation. But I don't think that's only true here in West Virginia because I've seen it across the country, even with brand new Congress and other candidates like myself. Um, Missouri's a prime example of that with Cori Bush just winning yeah. her primary. She's gonna be our next Congresswoman. Yeah. Um, it's just, we all have to continue to fight and work together and make sure that uh, we, we run for office, we vote and we continue to hold these people accountable. Paula Jean, I, I really do appreciate how you made that distinction. And, and it was there was something that I felt was there, but you just brought it out. That it's not that they're voting against their own best interests. It's that a lot of working class people have become disillusioned with the entire system and that they're not voting at all. Uh, we only have a few more seconds left, but could you just elucidate that just a little bit more uh, for the viewers? Oh, well, yeah, we just have to continue. And, and right now, even with the presidential election, we're divided. And no matter who our president is, we still need local representation and we need a good strong Congress and especially the Senate. We have to flip the Senate blue and we have to, but we also have to have true representation. Yeah. So um, we are in, yeah, even now, we are approaching our end of quarter fundraising and we need to raise $9,000 by midnight. So if anybody wants to help and make sure that we have a true voice in Washington, um, go to PaulaJean.com. But, um, Yes, that's just the thing. We have to make sure that we have true representation. This ain't about red or blue. This is from the bottom up and making sure that the people of government that serves them for a change. Absolutely. Paula Jean Swearingen, she is a US Senate candidate for West Virginia, um, a progressive fighting for economic diversity, Medicare for all, fighting for the working class. Uh, Paula Jean, could you give them your website one more time really quickly? PaulaJean.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Paula.